0: Hello, everybody. This is Paul Carruthers, the communications manager for Moto America, and this is Off Track with myself and my cohort in Ohio, Sean Vice. Sean, uh, good afternoon, good evening for you. How's things going there in Ohio?
1: Going great. Happy New Year. Happy two thousand nineteen, Paul.
0: Yeah. Happy New Year to you too. It's uh, it's amazing how quickly the time uh, the time goes by. It's it's kind of. Seems unreal to me sometimes that it's 2019.
1: Yeah, it is. Before we know it, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll be into the race season, so uh, won't won't be long now. Um, hey, I got a quick story I want to tell you. So th- I'm going to ask you: uh, Do you know what a beanie is? Yeah, it's a thing you wear on your head. Okay is it is it a knit? Is it like a knit thing? Yeah, yeah. Is it's that a what knit. you guys call them?
0: Yeah, like if you're going to rob a liquor liquor store, you'd wear one of those and maybe <laughs> pull it down over your face. I I <laughs>
1: learned that you Californians call the, those beanies and I didn't realize a beanie to me is the, that thing with, that you wear on the top of your head. That's got a propeller on the top. But, uh, but at oh, any rate, we, <laughs> oh,
0: what do you guys ahead. call, what do you call a beanie?
1: That's a beanie. Oh, this is, this is my story. So where I, I grew up right across the border from Canada. So I call uh, a beanie to me is the same thing that, uh, Steve Crevier and Pascal Picot and Miguel Duhamel call
0: it, and they call it a, have you ever heard of a toque? I've heard the name, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't know why or how. That's precisely what it is where
1: I grew up and also in Canada, they call them a toque, but some people call them a stocking cap. But the reason I bring it up is, you know how some beanies have that ball on the top of them? Yes. Okay, do you know what that ball is for? Do you know why it's there?
0: Um, let me think. Okay. Um no. <laughs> <laughs> after after all that thought, you couldn't come up with anything. I mean, even decoration. I, I mean that that those kind well, I guess I see them now like girls have those. Guys don't really wear a beanie right. with a with a ball on the top. Girls do but i don't that's know that's very I true don't, i don't i don't i would is it is it something other than just being decorative
1: it is yeah it seems like it would be decorative and it is it's come to be that but at the originally beanies or stocking caps or toques were actually developed uh, for the, or the french navy back in the day i think it was sometime after napoleon's reign or maybe it was during that time period but french sailors used to wear these caps on their heads and the, they had the ball on the top the reason was because when they would go below deck, oftentimes the the structure of the ship there were beams and everything. So the ball on the top almost provided a little bit of a a feeler to let you know that your your head the top of your head is close to getting you know banging against a beam or something. So it would, that ball would hit before your your cranium would. So <laughs> that's what the ball on the top of a beanie or a toque or a stocking cap is. And I think when we heard that Sonoma. You should have been wearing a beanie. Do you remember that? Oh, God. Why'd you bring it up?
0: I think I was concussed. I, I, I do, too. I do, too. But if you had a beanie on you, would have been okay. So, Well, if I would have had a beanie with the girl's little thing on the top, but I might not have had that anyway. Like, a beanie hey, don't that worry I would about have. Your van- <laughs> Don't, don't worry, worry about your vanity. Don't worry about your vanity. Just put it on and protect yourself, for God's sake. Well, you know, honestly, I would rather not have my vanity and have not that pain in my head. So next time, next time I'm in Sonoma in August, when it's, you know, 100 degrees, I, I you know, I'll make sure I, I have my my toque on with my ball <laughs> on top. <laughs> and, you're, and you're either
1: protecting yourself or about to rob a bank <laughs> in Northern okay. California.
0: <laughs> right. Well, okay. We probably should tell people what actually happened. And so we're yeah. at Sonoma, we're at Sonoma Raceway, and I wanted to go onto the very roof of this, um, the main building there, because I thought it'd be cool to get an overall picture of the paddock and everything with all the, the trucks set up and the people and et cetera. So I'm with Thomas Stevens, and I go and I find those guys in race control. I'm like, hey, do you guys know is there a way to get up on the roof? And he said, oh yeah, I go this way. So Thomas went with me, and. Uh, And we get to this ladder and this ladder thing goes up onto the roof. But I I was going up the ladder and there was this metal beam across the thing that, you know, maybe in retrospect, it could have a padding on there. It could have said like, you know, watch your head or look out. You're about to painted yellow something. Yeah, just something that was going (laughs) to tell me that I was going to have a brain injury. So anyway, I took that last (laughs) flying step up the ladder and slammed my head on that thing. And (laughs) I mean, I had neck pain. I had a headache. It, the whole deal, and it could have been saved if I would have had a took with that ball on it. <laughs>
1: That's exactly the moral of that story. And it has nothing to do with our guest except Northern California.
0: So, well, anyway. It has nothing to do with our guest because I'm sure he's not wearing a beanie because I know he's in Oceanside right now and it might be like, you know, 55, but it's not It's not took weather. Uh, I, next, I, I knew I should have Took a beanie there. Huh? <laughs> oh, yes yeah That's anyhow it. so let's <laughs> let let's introduce our next guest he's uh he I, I did a little research on him today you know when, when you're researching a kid like this there's not it doesn't go very <laughs> deep, you know because if you start looking you you're know right. more than three or four years, the kid's not even born yet
1: so um, chapter one i was born <laughs> chapter
0: two i turned 16 <laughs> right that, and then you know yeah it's like i was born and then i met paul and sean at moto america and that's the end of the story <laughs> so exactly uh, cory ventura is our guest and coreys uh, i i didn't even realize it until i, I did this little bit of research but <clears throat> he's kind of the bridesmaid of our first KTM series and then our junior cup series, because he's finished second in the championship the last two years. He right. won four races when it was the KTM championship in 2017, finished second in the championship to Benjamin Smith. This year he had one win and finished second again, this time to Alex Dumas. So he's, you know, I but I, if something tells me that he would do backflips to finish second in next year's championship because of, the challenge that he's taken on. He's, he's going to move up to the super sport class as a 16 year old. And, uh, he's got to ride with Omega Moto and he'll be Cameron Peterson's teammate and he'll be riding. Well, Cameron Peterson's going to be in Superbike, but they're going to be teammates on the same team. And he will ride a Yamaha R6 in the super sport series. And I just got off the phone with Rain Rainey and he said, Hey, what are you doing? Like, I am going on this podcast. I'm having, you know, my normal, uh, my normal situation with my computer and all that stuff. and. Uh, and I told him he asked me who we were going to have as a guest, and I told him it was Corey. And he wanted to uh, – he, he's very pleased with the path that Corey's taken because I think when he woke up the mo- one morning when he decided he wanted to do Moto America and he thought it through, this was kind of the path he was hoping a kid would take. And Corey's done exactly that. He started out in the KTM class. Uh, when we switched to Junior Cup, he went to that. And then now <clears throat> he's old enough to go to Supersport. And he's taking that leap. So um, kudos from Wayne Rainey to uh, to Corey on that. And why don't we bring the kid in at this point in time? Good afternoon, Corey. How are you?
2: Hi, I'm pretty good. Happy New Year, Paul. Happy
0: New Year to you. And you're down at Josh Hayes's place doing a bit of training, I imagine?
2: Yes, indeed, I am. And how's it going? Uh, I just got here yesterday, but uh, we rode some mini bikes yesterday in the backyard, which is the first time that we ever did that. And this whole past year, the only time I've ever ridden in his backyard is when I was trying to figure out how to re ride again with my thumb. But uh right. oh mm-hmm. my gosh. It was so much fun. And this morning Melissa's like, All right, wake up. We're going on a bike ride. Hurry up. So
1: So they have a they have a turn track there, right, Corey?
2: Yes, Josh just completely redid it. So he's super, super pumped about it. And so is Melissa. And in fact, they're riding down there right now. I got a few laps in before this fall. So, so are you running your Hawk? afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: He's babysitting Hawk and being on with us. So, right. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah, so but you- we appreciate you doing that.
2: So are you babysitting all- or not? Uh, not right. Not at this moment. Josh has him, but uh, I don't think they'll let me t- get around him or touch him or anything. So. That's kind of a no-go zone.
1: <laughs> you haven't had to change fine. diapers or anything, Corey. Is that right?
2: Uh, I got pretty close to almost changing a diaper, but then I got too scared. Did not want to do it. But, uh...
1: <laughs> scared is a good word for it. Oh, wait. I heard they use cloth diapers. So, yeah, you got pins and everything
0: involved there. That's oh, really yeah. hard.
1: They, oh, i didn't
0: i didn't know they use cloth what i didn't even know that was a thing anymore
1: yeah they uh, use it paul uh, pa, so josh told me he's good at doing the swish and dunk <laughs> so, <laughs> after, which, uh, that's something i don't want to know about <laughs> so yeah um th- hey cory but don't they have you ever i think melissa's
2: got doesn't she have a beta trials bike as well she does yeah have you ever tried it yeah, I wrote it the first time I came down here and uh, I almost looped it out. And so I was like, oh, does, does, how does this thing work? And just hand it and then drop the clutch. And oh, it was a bunch of fun, though. Once I got going on it, it was a bunch of fun. They have a bunch of rocks and stuff right outside their front yard. Just get up them and do a bunch of stuff.
1: It's a two stroke, too, right? It is. That's got to be a lot of fun to do that. Are you oh. you probably is your balance pretty good I mean do you do you dab it once in a while or do you stay up on the pegs pretty well
2: uh I stayed up on the pegs really well I was very surprised with how how you can just balance on that thing i my the biggest thing I did was I would uh like get up onto a rock and then ride across different rocks and I'd stop and just balance there for probably three minutes till I'd start to wiggle around and start losing my concentration and then jump off but, hmm. Paul, have you ever so ridden a trials fun.
1: bike
0: yeah i um actually i'll have to send a photo of you because I, I i found a photo recently where i'm i think i'm probably like 12 years old and i'm on a trials bike and i went to this uh with my dad who used to do it um we went to this mick andrews i don't know if you've ever heard of him but he ended sure. up he finished his career riding yamahas um yeah he, he brought the ty 250
1: to the u.s
0: yeah exactly that was a big it, deal so he yeah. did this. He did this trial school in San Diego, um, right by the house where we lived. So I went to the trial school. But it's funny because the photo, you know, I'm I'm wearing like jeans and boots and like a a t-shirt and you know those like you know when you picture Mick Andrews like wearing that that kind of my dad used to wear that hat I think they call it like a paperboy hat or something yeah know, yeah the, the pro- flat
1: top thing yeah yeah so
0: I'm wearing one of those and I'm going up this rocky section it's pretty cool and the caption's like. Paul Carruthers, uh, son of a famous racer, that negotiates a whatever, but it was uh, it was kind of funny. But yeah, so I rode some trials bikes when I was a kid. I think I had a, I had the Ty eighty, Ty eighty, cool. yeah, yeah. That's right. I had I had that for that's like cool. a year, and then I turned it in and got something different because, fortunately, I grew up with my dad working, <clears throat> you know, a lot with Yamaha, and we would basically get new bikes every year. So I never, I always had something that was pretty cool.
1: That's real. That had to be around like 74, 75. That's when that bike was around. Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, it would have been right when that bike was introduced.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk to Corey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So,
1: Corey... Corey, you went down there. Are you down specifically down there to train a little bit with those guys? And and tell us about how what your continuation is going to be or may not be with, with Josh and Melissa. You were on MP13 racing this year. You're now going to be on Omega Moto. So how, how is that going to work? Can you talk about that dynamic a little bit?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm just down here doing my thing. I'm trying to enjoy this beautiful weather down here because it is freezing up in NorCal and I don't want to deal with with, uh, frosting over on my two miles into my bike ride. So, um, yeah, I'm, I have a great time down here with Josh and Melissa and it's always good, positive vibes to be with them. And, uh, Josh will definitely be a big part of my program in the 2019 season. And we're still trying to figure out what Melissa's role is. And she's always a great moral support for me. And always knows how to like get the information out of me. So we're just kind of playing it by ear a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. How did the
2: Omega
0: going to go ahead Paul sorry how did the Omega say how did the Omega team <laughs> we, got, we got this down how did the Omega team come together i mean it, it kind of was a surprise to us but obviously not to you you've probably been working on it for a while
2: yeah we've been talking a little bit but it was kind of crazy uh i was up at Cameron Bobier's house and we're sitting there we go on a bike ride and we're just kind of shooting stuff and ha- hanging out and he's like well what are we doing for next year? Cause we were talking about trying to go race world super sport 300. And he was like, well, let me, uh, put in a quick phone call to a local guy and let's see what he has to say. And we went and met Ken at Starbucks and we, uh, got to a talking and, and Ken was very interested in maybe doing with, something with me for next year. And we just went on from there.
0: Awesome. So, it, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big step. I I think you, you obviously realize that probably more than we do, but is it, I mean, it's got, you got to just be excited to to try something new and to actually make that big of a jump.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's every racer's dream to come up and get onto a 600 and be on a team and, and, uh, race against some really fast guys. I know this year there's going to be some really, really fast guys. So I just want to learn as much as I can right now and just keep on taking my steps forward and, I've uh, been riding some 600s a little bit, uh, just trying to get ready for the season, and I'm I'm starting to really notice how hard it is and how good JD and Hayden and Garrett Gerloff uh, a year ago was on those things. It's just mind-blowing. So we're just trying to take baby steps and go from there. Do you have a lot of testing planned? or We have a little bit of testing planned. No dates to be exact yet. We're still trying to get my motorcycle together, um, mm-hmm. but just – trying to do some track days on a stock bike for a little bit. And then we're going to just start upgrading and taking a little bit on uh, each time. So we don't just throw together a complete bike and go, okay, ride it. And as a racer, just could be completely lost jumping on a full super sport bike uh, from a 300. I, I, I have a few, uh, I don't know what to call them almost. uh, Gosh, I'm blanking out right now.
1: That's okay. Sean does that all the time. Yeah, I do. I have. It's you know. Hey, so Corey, tell us about this. You, you know, I've been a, like a little bit like a broken record with this, but you probably recall. I talked I had interviewed you and talked to you about this before. This idea of a transition from a three hundred twenty cc motorcycle in junior cup up to a whatever it is five ninety five, but a six hundred a middle class middleweight bike, and the fact that there isn't anything in between, and does there need to be one? Some some riders feel like there there does. Does need to be a class, and they've maybe used what what Superstock six hundred was before. Some of them are thinking about Twins Cup. You, when I talk to you, you welcomed this jump and feel like you're almost more comfortable on an R, on this R six. At least from what you told me, can you talk about that a little bit? Is that is that correct?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely super super comfortable, and like I was telling Sean a little bit earlier through texting, and uh, I feel so comfortable on the r6 like i feel way more comfortable on the r6 than i ever felt on the 300 but i think honestly it kind of depends on the rider uh if there should be a a step in between um for the guys around me and what we thought would be best for me we thought it would just be best just to move straight up onto the 600 and so far I, i like it a lot
1: did the did the junior cup bike? Did it? Uh, you rode it for a while. I mean, obviously you rode a KTM and then you rode it in R three. Did it? Did it feel slow to you? Did it? Did it? Did it slow down? I mean, the whole the whole process uh, after riding it for a while.
2: A little bit, but I think when it really slowed down for me was when I went and rode malicious R one at Buttonwillow test, and <laughs> oh it, yeah, it really slowed everything down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's a that's a big leap for sure but how'd you feel on that bike
2: oh it was so much fun it was so funny we were sitting there testing and i'm I'm having such a hard time throwing this little itty bitty r3 around and and melissa's like i'm sick and tired of you telling me that you can't throw this bike around just go ride my bike and i'm just I, i'm sitting there just blank face with my jaw on the <laughs> ground just uh, can't say anything and go out and ride it and i was scared to Death, looping that thing out, high siding myself, <laughs> and by the end of the time I was riding it, I was having a blast with it. Mm.
1: Are you about the same size as Tony Elias? No. Uh, I no, a little bit
2: taller than Tony, I think. But I'm actually are you taller? Close. Okay, I'm pretty close to okay. Cameron. Cameron and I are eye Cameron. level right now.
1: Wow, I think yeah. you've grown in the past couple of years then, yeah. because I don't think you were as tall as Cameron a couple of years ago. You're still growing, obviously.
2: mm -hmm. I think I'm going to pass him up this next year. He's going to be really, really sad. I'm going to be looking down to him and poking (laughs) him a little bit.
0: Yeah, just give him that little chest poke, you know, that he likes that. I try to do that to him all the time. (laughs) He he really enjoys being poked in the chest.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you want to be taller or do you feel like, you know, obviously smaller of stature sometimes is an advantage on a bike?
2: Yeah, I mean, I want to – I want to be a little bit taller, not maybe, maybe two inches, just that little bit more. So I just have that little bit more weight throwing around, transitioning mm-hmm. on the bike and stuff. You definitely don't want to be too small, but you definitely don't want to be too big.
1: Right, right. The bikes are pretty adaptable, though. I mean, you take somebody like, well, Jake Lewis or Matthew Skoltz on that super bike, and you, you know, somebody like Tony or, or you know. Cameron's not, not as, as smaller stature as Tony is, but you know, it's amazing that, that the, the horsepower is a great equalizer on those bikes. Wouldn't you say?
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Are you concerned? Do you, do you have any inkling or have you heard anything about whether they're going to be a lot of Kawasaki's in the supersport class this year? And, um, did you consider that bike just because, I mean, it's a pretty affordable bike coming in. We're expecting there might be a few on the grid.
2: Yeah, I definitely think there will be a few on the grid, and it looks like they're going to be pretty fast. I haven't heard too many people jumping over to them uh, just because they're a new bike and don't really want to be the first people testing it. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's three or four on the grid. And it, it was definitely an option that we were thinking about going and trying this new bike, but also at the same time with being a rookie and coming into a super competitive class, do we want to spend another year trying to develop a bike?
1: Right. Is Is Josh going to work with Cam Peterson as well, or is he just working with you? And does he have an official capacity on the team, or is he working with with you exclusively?
2: Uh, I'm not sure if Josh is working with uh, Cam Peterson, Uh, and I'm not sure if our deal is exclusive yet. We're still trying everything out. I don't know if Josh is going to be a part of the team or if he's just going to be with me. Um, I heard Josh might be working with a few other riders as well.
1: Okay, so wow, he's going to be busy, busy boy this year. Then coming up sounds like continuing. Yeah. He, so, he so definitely Corey,
2: isn't you, as pumped as he was when he was riding.
0: <laughs> no, no he's, we he's, gathered that. No, you know what? I mean, he's so grumpy. He's never going to be not grumpy again. I think you're <laughs> right. <laughs> no, he he is. He's I can tell. He's. He's not over that whole racing thing, and uh, yeah, it makes him grumpy. I want to smack him in the head sometimes because he's so grumpy. (laughs) But you know, I can understand Uh it because um, you know, as most people will tell you, I don't think there's probably a better way to make a living than racing a motorcycle. And I know not only was Josh um, really liked it, but he was obviously really good at it, so it it would be hard to quit. It'd be like me trying to quit eating ice cream or something, or drinking beer. You know, (laughs) I'd I'd probably be grumpy. Speaking of ice
2: cream and Josh. Oh my gosh, uh-huh. he loves his some ice cream. I, I don't know if it was uh, <laughs> last time I was up here, like one night he ate two pints or whatever, the big, big Ben and Jerry's, and I was mm-hmm. I was so upset because one of those for me, because I, I bought uh two or three, I don't remember, and I, I, I walk in the door and there's just two containers just done. And I'm like, <gasps> oh my gosh, <laughs> and he looks at me like, what? Yeah.
1: So you're well. you're saying his train his training regimen's a little different than it was then, huh?
2: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that, but uh, he's still working hard, doing his thing. I'm 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 still scared of him, like we were talking about earlier about him being a little grumpy. He'll we'll be sitting at a table or at lunch or something. and He'll just be like, "I hate you," and for and I'll be like, "Why? What? What did I do this time?" And he's like, "Just because you get to ride and I don't, just." <laughs> <laughs> Gives me this big pouty face.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a funny young man, old man. <laughs> so tell me this: like, it, it, normally you show up at Road Atlanta. Let's say this year, for example, you showed up at Road Atlanta and you, you're riding in the in the in the Junior Cup class, and you know all those guys, and you've kind of hung out with them, and you came up with them through the KTM class. So you know, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses. You, you probably think in the back of your mind that you're better than them and you're going to kick their ass, but you're still probably nervous. And then I'm trying to fast forward this to like April when you're throwing your leg over that 600, like for that first practice session and you're out there with, you know, Hayden Gillum and Valentin DeBees, if he's, if he's there. And, and, and some of these other guys is that is I mean, that would keep me awake at night.
2: Yeah, De- definitely. And it's, it's kind of a scary thought with just the different guys that are in that class and how gnarly, and how gnarly they are. Like PJ's gone out and won some uh, world championship races, if if I'm not wrong. And uh, I'm I'm super super excited that they're here, that they're racing with me. And uh, I'm I'm super excited just to see where I stack up in April. I'm going to be shaking, I'm sure, the month <laughs> before, the week before, the night before, just shaking in my sleep, just not, restless. We'll see.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty big, pretty big ask for a kid, but, um, you know, you got to start somewhere and you got to jump in and sometimes it's sink or swim. So, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to be fine. Corey, yeah. what
1: are your realistic expectations? Do you have like a goal in mind for where to place or do you just want to say, I'm, I want to win the races or, you know, what, what, where are you at? Is it realism or what, you know, tell us where, what your thought is on that.
2: I think my thought going into the first round uh would just kind of get get a groove going, just get like a little uh back back to the word that I couldn't get earlier. Uh a routine going, just start falling into a routine and just go from there and uh I'm not really going to place too much pressure for placement. Um but I definitely want to be within the top 15 and I'm not going to have any uh goals against other riders because some other riders might be having a bad day or a good day or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. Tell us about, so we, you participated in the VR 46 master camp um, during the summer, you and Jackson Blackman, and we've talked about that a little bit, but I want to ask you again, uh, and I don't remember if I've ever asked you quite this way before, but what is the single biggest takeaway that you got out of that experience?
2: I think the single biggest takeaway that I got out of that was, just working on little things uh, with Josh, just the aggressiveness and working on uh, breaking zones. And th- these guys work just as hard as I do. Why? Why can't I beat them and uh, passing people? And that, those were the biggest things that I took away from going over there and doing that thing.
0: Hmm, it's good. You also towards the towards the end of the year, or I, I don't know exactly when it started, but. I think I was talking to you at one of the races, and one of the things that Josh got you to start doing is, like, kind of going into things with a plan. Like, in this practice session, we're going to do this, this, and this. And in this practice session, we're going to do this, this, and this. Is Am I right? I mean, is that something you guys work
2: towards? Definitely. And we back to the whole thing about routines is just uh, going in and just having a goal for every session. And starting at Sonoma, that's when we really, after the VR46 Master Camp is every session, we had something we would work on. If there was any way I could go faster here, we'd, we'd sit down after a session and write on a track map where I think I can go faster, where other guys are going faster than me. And I, after every session, after warm up, after qualifying, after FP1, whatever it was, even after the races, we'd sit there, uh, just pound it out. And it works. It does work. I was very, very yeah. pleased with how things were evolving, how things were changing so fast, and we really got a good bond going over it.
1: One of the things I noticed with you, Corey, over the past couple of years is even in the year where you were in the KTM Cup and you are on a, on that bike uh, in a spec class, you seemed to come on strong towards the end of the year that year, and also this past year. What do you attribute that to? Is there a reason? Do you think that that's going to be the way it is this year or was there something going
2: on yeah it's kind of crazy this this year was almost a, a mirroring image from last year it all started uh back in road america when i got second place in 2017 that's when i really got my confidence up we changed the motor the night before that and just really started driving with the ktm really really well and this year i think for me it was uh really really difficult in atlanta when we had a hard time with the r3s ballasting against the um ktms and kawasaki's we just Mm -hmm. didn't just going from a spec series to a not spec series some bikes are going to have advantages and some bikes are going to have disadvantages and um just kind of trying to figure that out and virginia both years i i had a really really rough time uh in the races this year i didn't crash at all but I ran off the track in both uh, races and had to rejoin and had to try and re that pack. And it was a little frustrating, but it's kind of crazy how both years uh, at the end of the year, I had a lot of good luck, had a lot of uh, good performances.
1: We we had asked James Morris, our technical director at Moto America, about whether he felt that that Junior Cup class did kind of achieve a balance at least towards the end of the year. Uh, from your perspective, I know you Yamaha guys, you know, felt like it was a tough situation for you most of the year. Did you feel that the class was balanced uh, at least towards the end of the year a little bit better, or did you feel still at a little bit of a disadvantage?
2: I definitely think it has it got better throughout the year. And with the Yamaha, we kept on trying to uh, improve with the whole Graves program. We were working really, really hard on trying to improve getting off the corner and the, torquing, the torque of the bike. Um, mm-hmm. But with the torque of the Kawasaki's just getting off those really slow corners, we had nothing for them. I definitely think mm-hmm. there's still a little bit to go for some of the Junior Cup guys, and I I really hope some more guys stay on the Yamahas because I think there's going to be a lot of really good stuff to come with that class because they're getting new tires. I got to ride the new tires after the final race at Barber, and I, I went really, really fast on them, and I really hope people stay on the Yamahas because I think that will be a really, really good bike.
1: You know, with that Graves program, we would, we would walk past the the Graves truck and we would see all you Yamaha R3 riders that were part of that program. Um, they would be, you would be sitting in chairs, uh, almost in a classroom setting. What what was going on there?
2: Yeah, we're just kind of debriefing the day. We, we would do it three times a weekend, uh, the Thursday before Friday, Saturday, um, Just kind of talk through it, see where all the riders are at, see if we can help one another or see what's just going on. We're sharing our uh, little bit of data that we can have, if there is any. And we have our little uh, sheets that we would write after every session and we'd talk about it, see where this person's having this issue or this person's running this gearing and we're just debriefing.
1: Hmm. That's cool that they had that set up that way. Was it run by Chuck?
2: Yes, it was. And. It was really cool because okay. you would have a uh, Chris Lessing there, and Jeffs is Matt and uh, Josh Hayes. So if you had any questions, they were right there at your disposal, and uh, it, it was amazing. That if we didn't have that part of our program, the program wouldn't have been as good as it was.
1: Who <laughs> who is the most vocal writer among that group?
2: <laughs> um, I, I want to say myself, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt Who, like what I what would you say? I, I, I felt like I talked the most, but besides me, I uh the Kevin Ometto he he talked quite a bit and it was uh really funny because sometimes he would need uh Jorge uh JD's mechanic at the time. Right. To, Sartola, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm, to uh translate some stuff that they were saying and it, it was really funny because he'd always have questions because we'd sit there and we'd all talk and then we'll just wait for Kevin raise his hand or say something
1: well that's pretty good for somebody with english as a second language he wasn't shy about wanting to communicate though that's that's actually pretty great
0: yeah cool stuff that's the guy you always didn't want to have in traffic school <laughs>
2: <laughs> just you know,
0: you're trying to get through the eight hour day and there's some guy asking questions that just makes it you know eight hours and 20 minutes
2: <laughs> yeah poking poking your eye out with the coffee stick just
0: Yeah, yeah, all (laughs) that
2: stuff. Hey,
1: Corey, because you have Cam Peterson as your teammate, and Cam, I assume, is still employed by Danny Walker's uh, American Super Camp as as an instructor there, will you or have you gone to the camp, and will you continue to go to the camp and work with him?
2: Actually, I went to the camp for the first time ever uh, just a few weeks ago, December, uh, in the middle of December, and – that's when we really got to talking and we talked about our whole thing with Omega. And I'm, I'm not sure if his thing was announced by then. I I think it may have been, and we're just talking about it. And he was super, super excited about it. Um, but yes, the American super camp is super, super good. I believe in it. And doing the two days with cam, it was huge for me. And I really reopened up my eyes, just doing all the basics, just trying to figure everything out and gave me some more confidence again.
1: That's cool. And did Josh instruct there? I know Josh Hayes instructs at that camp quite a bit, too.
2: Yeah, he, he was there was stru- he... instructing a little bit. But at the same time, I think a few days he missed because he was taking care of Hawk. and Because uh, <laughs> he he was sick or something and was really not being nice to Josh. And Josh, like we were talking about <laughs> a little earlier, was a little grumpy. So he cut out a few days.
1: Oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one.
2: Oh, but it, it was good at the same time because you weren't coming around a corner and just he'll plow into me and do whatever he can to make me, uh, make fun of me and try and get me all embarrassed, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that's part of his job. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> that's right.
1: That is part of it. That is part of it. Now, Corey, earl- earlier you were telling me this is kind of ironic that at one time, I mean, you, well, let me backtrack. You stay with uh Melissa and Josh a fair amount. And at one time, Cam Peterson, I believe, had an apartment that was owned by Josh and or Melissa. And now you told me that he's, Cam, he, I don't think he lives there now. I think he was in Colorado or something last I knew, but you told me he was moving. Can, tell us about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, I believe Cam Peterson's trying to move out to the Roseville area and, uh, the whole Omega team is going to be really based out of NorCal. It's going to be really cool. It's a, kind of going to be like a family-ran uh, team. We're all super, super cool with each other. Just And it, it feels like a very family atmosphere.
1: That's terrific. And you got got Cam, Cameron Bobier there as well. So there's a lot of fast NorCal guys up there. Uh, Wyatt Ferris
2: is up that way too, right? Yes, he is. Is he going to ride in this year, do you know? I do not know. I'm sure he is. I, I saw a post today or something about him doing an R6 dyno on his bike, so fingers crossed he comes back. I really, really like Wyatt. I, I think I can learn a lot from him. I heard he's pretty strong yeah, on the like- bicycle. Oh, I heard he's strong. Like through. a beast. I not, yeah, I have not ridden with him, and I'm so scared, too. Like, he never posts on Straub or anything. I see the occasional Instagram story. But Cameron was telling me he has some gnarly KOMs out in uh Santa Cruz or something.
0: Right. Yeah, I've heard you don't want to ride with him. Ugh.
2: Forget that. I'm I'm over here just cruising around, doing my around the block, quarter mile, call it a day. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen the Strava. You're doing that <laughs> you're doing that little ocean side and back thing like every day.
2: Yeah, a little coffee cup run.
0: You haven't, you haven't done, have you, I I don't remember if I've asked you this before, but you have, have you done that Palomar
2: ride or not? Oh, I did it once last year. Oh my gosh. That was, did you that's cry? a horrible story. I did cry because I, I killed myself with the, like the climb going out there. I, I I didn't know what I was thinking. I was so pumped. I'm, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Ripped up this mile and a half climb before we get out there and I we start going to Palomar and I'm, dying i have jd blown past me jake lewis blown past me and i just start crying probably three miles into the ride just or uh up palomar and that's an 11 mile climb and it was forever Oh,
1: describe what th- describe what that is are you talking about mount palomar where they have the observatory
0: yeah you ride bicycles to the top of that
1: on a, it's a road bike on a paved road yeah 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 it's yes. a road
2: bike
0: yeah wow
1: and what, how's it, what's it like on the way down?
2: Oh, it is so easier. Fast. And, oh, <laughs> definitely easier. easier. <laughs> it, it, it's scary at the same time because you can't really slow down too much. and But it's freezing because you're like all sweaty going up. And at the top, it's probably 30 degrees when we did it. And you fly back down and just freezing. Oh, wow. And is it, a, really is it windy? It is yeah. windy.
0: Yeah, it's pretty sketchy. Wow, like, that's amazing. Did, uh, somebody told me Hayden Gillum was really fast going down, which doesn't surprise oh, me.
2: I, I I thought Hayden had, got like really really far up the, pe- the Strava list or something. Like he was one yeah. of the top guys on the descent. I heard Josh is really fast too, um, mm. but when we did it, Josh blew a corner and almost went off the mountain. Wow, <laughs> so that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. hit so hey Corey. You, go
0: go ahead. ahead, Paul. You didn't let no, Jake I just, Lewis. I was going change something. You didn't let Jake Lewis beat you up the hill, did you? Oh,
2: that was so embarrassing because I was blowing his doors off all week and I was having so much <laughs> fun riding with super bike rider Jake Lewis, beating him on bicycles, and he blows my doors off on Palabar. Yeah. So sad. That,
0: that that would be enough to make me cry. Oh. <laughs>
2: i got to hear about it for the next year there's a yeah i bet
1: man there's a little bit of difference there in in leg length i would assume (laughs) that that's going to translate to i don't know pumping power or something
0: so did
1: did you say pumping power
0: well pedaling power power? let me change it to that instead yeah Yeah, you can't say pumping power (laughs) on here
1: (laughs) (laughs) hey Corey. so tell us uh what what do you think about the situation with jd beach and Going to uh, attack performance. Well, it's actually in Racing to attack performance, but getting that superbike ride, what do you think?
2: Oh, I think it's amazing. We we all really, really badly wanted JD to move up to a superbike. And I remember talking to him early last year. He was like, uh, if I have to ride a 600 again next year, I will literally kill myself because I do not <laughs> want to ride a 600 again. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, JD. But uh, I think it's amazing and for him to have that opportunity and he's going to be on Yamaha again. and uh, I'm sure he'll get a little bit of help there. And Oh, but I can't wait to see how he rides it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of JD. I, I think he's great for the sport and I'm glad to have him back.
1: You're probably glad that he's not in Super Sport anymore too, right? Now that you're going to be in that class, that helps um, a little bit.
2: The weight was lifted off my shoulders when, when I saw the <laughs> Road Racing World press release. I was like, whoa. Oh. I don't have to worry about getting lapped by that guy.
1: <laughs> oh, that's do, funny. Do you do you have any inside knowledge or intelligence about any other riders that might that were in uh, Junior Cup that may or or will be moving up to SuperSport besides you? Have you heard much?
2: I have not heard anything about anyone else moving up to SuperSport. It sounds like I'm going to be the only one.
1: Wow. Mm. That'll be interesting. I know a few uh, a few guys might be going to to uh, Twins Cup though, um possibly.
2: Yeah, is definitely. Is that true? I, I I think there are some I, I know Drake b is doing something with the Andy Palmer guy, but um, Yes. So he'll be that. on a Yamaha.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, I've got a question for you since since you're leaving those guys, you can um speak highly of them or or not so highly of them, but of all those guys that you lined up with in those I guess three years of of ktm and junior cup racing which wh- which one of those guys did you find the toughest guy to beat
2: oh my gosh that, that's a hard one um in all the years that i it kind of depends because my first my rookie season I, I had a really really hard time with everybody but i was all over the place um yeah. but for me the heart the hardest guy to beat at like his his best was alex alex really shined a lot. He, when he was not making mistakes or anything, he really could put his head down and put together some really fast laps. and was super, super consistent and really would never give me an opportunity to gang up on him. All
1: right. Fair enough. Cor- Corey, I don't know if you saw the post w- that we put up today, but there was a shot and you're in it and it was a, a bunch of junior cup riders on scooters that are all kind of gathered around and that, that uh, I really like that photo because it kind of shows the camaraderie that you guys had within that class. Did you see that photo? Do you know which one I'm talking about? And do you did you guys have camaraderie in that in that class?
2: Yeah, I did see the photo. I, I, I'm kind of upset that you guys put that up there because my my pant legs rolled up pretty high, and you can see my gnarly cycling muscle just popping out. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, we're, yeah, the all the Junior Cup guys are really, really close together. You might have one or two that are not very social, but all the others are very social. And it's pretty cool that we can all come off the racetrack and just have a good time, hang out with each other. And then you also have those two or three in the group that are ripping around on scooters, doing dumb stuff, crashing their brains out before they go out and race this weekend and getting in trouble. <laughs>
1: What do you think about the fact that the, the, they've raised the age limit to, what is it, 28 now? I mean, how do you feel about that?
2: Uh, I, I think, it, honestly, my honest opinion is 28. I don't really consider a 28-year-old a junior, but I, I guess you can say that. But I, I, it's it's better for the kids because then you can have more and more people uh, come in and, and really – open it up to a bigger variety
1: yeah i mean paul and i could almost ride that class so you know yeah they just yeah, have to
2: double it <laughs> right. paul commented on one of my photos and and uh it was saying something like because i'm trying to sell my yamaha and I, i'm having a super super hard time selling it but uh i was <laughs> like oh I, I i was gonna buy it but uh they didn't raise the age limit enough but <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you would have seen some scared kids if i would have shown up oh yeah <laughs> uh, that would have been awesome though your r3
1: is a is a is a graves bike right graves prepared yes, r3 is. yeah okay i was just trying to market it a little bit for you there
0: they're probably worried you haven't bought you haven't sold it yet right
2: no we've gotten very very few offers on it too
0: they're probably worried about how bent it might be with how many times you threw it down the road. Oh
2: my gosh. You know, what's crazy though. Is I only, I only crashed that thing three times all year. And barely used. I, I only rode that thing at Moto America. It, it, it's in really good shape compared to some of my other motorcycles that I've thrown down the road. I, I, I rode off the past two KTMs that I raced. And so I I've, I've get a new race bike every year year and for the race season and the first ktm i was out doing an afm club race and clipped someone down a straightaway, wrote that ktm off and you guys probably saw the the <laughs> crash at the end of last year on the last lap last corner oh yeah coming out of uh at barber and you saw that bike get blown into a million pieces so that we're we're happy this bike made it through the year
1: Yeah, that was a crazy crash. That was the one where Trevor Standish ended up getting that. He still has a mark on his neck from that. That was a crazy situation, that one. That's the crash, right? You're talking about all you guys were bunched up. That was crazy. Hey, Corey, have you gotten your R6 yet? Have you ridden it, or or when are you going to get it?
2: I have gotten one of my R6s, and we're we're riding it a little bit. uh, um, Just really getting comfortable with it, but we're still waiting on our race bike. Are you going to be 64 again? Ooh, I do not know yet. We're waiting to hear back from the AMA officials for that. Sounds like someone may have the number four next year. So oh. we're, we're trying to come up with some different options for some numbers.
1: Okay. I knew there were a bunch of guys in, in the 60s. I think what uh, Maziato was 61 and um, 50, 54 was uh, – um, uh, Escalante, but why did why did you have the number 64? Was there any significance in that?
2: Oh, uh, It's kind of a crazy story for me, at least. Is when I was little, my favorite number was always four. And uh, I think that was solidified when Josh Hayes put me up on his motorcycle back in 2009, and he was number four. And fell in love with Josh then. At that point in time, he had no idea who I was, and <laughs> I barely knew who he was. Um, but when I wanted to go racing, I wanted to be number four and number four was already, you couldn't take number four cause it was like a top 10 plate or something. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. And mm. I'm like, well, can I have 44? And they're like, that number's taken too. I'm like, well, might as well go with 64.
1: <laughs> I actually didn't know if it had something to do with it being transposed from 46. And obviously we all know what that's all about. So it has nothing to do with that though, huh?
2: No, no at that time I had no idea
1: who that guy was.
2: I think you're overthinking it, Sean.
1: Yeah, probably. I'm all about
0: numerology. So, you know, um, I think I could, I could probably talk to uh, the AMA and and some people at Moto American, you know, in a lot of foreign countries like Australia, for example, like when you first get your license, it's called a learner's plate. I don't know if they have that in Canada or not. Maybe it's, I don't know, but you first for maybe a year or whatever, you have to ride with this learner's plate. So everybody knows like, hey, you know, this kid's new to driving and you you might want to, you know, pay a little extra attention to him. So maybe we could do 64L for Corey in the Supersport <laughs> class and then everyone would be like, <laughs> everyone would be like, hey, you know, this kid's new, so like, you know, maybe watch out because, you know, he's a pretty reckless kid anyways and now Get he's even even kid's more way. so. <laughs> yeah, like stay the hell out of Watch out for 64L. Here he comes, you know. What do you oh, think, Corey? Should I pursue that or not? Uh, maybe I I could pass maybe an orange one. vest. You could put an orange vest on over your leathers. That would oh help too. Oh my
2: gosh! Oh
0: and you could wear God. a beanie under your helmet, like or a took Oh, look, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up and let Corey actually. Before it, he's probably got about half an hour of daylight left, he can go. You know. Ring the neck out of a little mini bike around that dirt track. So, Corey, I appreciate you uh, you coming on here with us. And, and it was nice, as always, to chat with you. You're a very polite young man. And I, I imagine you're going to have nothing but success in super sports. So it'll be fun to watch. It's going to be nice watching you because, you know, we've seen you since basically the beginning. And it'll be nice to follow you all the way to MotoGP. And maybe one day when you have, like, this big motorhome over there and Sean and I knock on your door, you know, you won't, like, put your <laughs> – You, you won't have one of your handlers like peek out the window and go, no, 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 don't let those guys in, you know, maybe (laughs) we'll get invited in.
2: So yeah, don't, that's my, don't big time us.
0: (laughs) That's my hope anyway,
2: but who's Paul Kletters? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's not dead yet. You know, it'd be (laughs) one of those, but (laughs) anyway, so thanks for coming on and, and, uh, be safe down there. And, uh. I'll, I'll make you. I'll make it down there at some point and We'll we'll go pedal bicycles together. But uh, and thanks to you, Sean, and thanks to our listeners and everybody who, uh, however you choose to listen to us, um, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends how great we are and tell your friends how great Corey Ventura is. And he'll be the guy with the orange vest and number sixty four L next year on a super sport bike. So again, <laughs> thanks everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. And happy New Year to everybody.
1: Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Corey. See you guys.